Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I'm married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online and and I'm in a different part of the country. I I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then. And you're really reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? We got an interesting email this week. He says, thank you for taking my email in question. My girlfriend and I listen to you on the radio and she respects your opinion as I do. So here's the question. I've been separated for nine months. I'm working on a divorce. Is it okay to date? I believe it is. But she's not comfortable with being around people who know my divorce is not final. Can you help? He kind of answered it when he said if she's not comfortable, it's not a good gig. And Pat, you have some questions about dating? I am 58 years old Mm -hmm. and uh, I've been divorced for years. I was watching the Oprah show the other day and they were talking about... They were talking about sexual desire. How does that factor in if you're after menopause? Obviously, being postmenopausal, you know, you aren't going to have the same pheromones, but then the men you're probably going to be dating, they're not going to have that need to mate with you, uh, you know, for children. How do you feel about hooking up with somebody else? To bring Carol to your station, call John Quick at 317-432-0309. Available as a long-form talk show and in 60-second infomercials for even more revenue opportunity. Carol the Coach, truly refreshing radio, enriching the lives of your listeners. All right. Well, welcome to the Carol the Coach Show. This is Sex Help with Carol the Coach, and I am so happy to be with you right now. I was pretty concerned because we were having a few technical difficulties, but we are back on the air, and that's what really counts, because we have a riveting show for you tonight. 
uh, we have a John and Elaine Leadham on, and they're going to be talking about something near and dear to their heart. They're going to be talking about not only their book, One in the Spirit, Meditation Course for Recovering Couples, but they're also going to be talking about when they work with couples, what primary issues keep coming back over and over and over again. And that is so important um, because clearly it is imperative that when you are part of a couple or even a single, there are certain things that you need to work on. And um, I can't emphasize enough how important it is to look at your issues so that you can work on your life. That's what the show is all about. So if you have a question, give us a call at 646-595-3284. Welcome to the Carol the Coach Show. And this is Sex Help with Carol the Coach. How can I help you? Are you there? Having a few technical difficulties, but just checking to see if you are there. Doesn't appear like anybody's here at the present time. That's okay because, you know, I want to talk to you a little bit about this show. We talk about what is sexual addiction and how can you recover from that. And I can't emphasize enough how important it is for you to to be able to identify, do you really have a problem? Now, in the DSM, they're going to be talking about not sex addiction, but hypersexuality. And the DSM-5 is the psychological statistical manual that says, does this disorder really exist? And so clearly, um, hypersexuality is what it's going to be called. And what it really means is with all hypersexuality, there is a loss of control. And that is absolutely the hallmark of addiction. Um, and what we know is although it's going to it's going to require further research, we are seeing more and more and more clients that complain that this is a legitimate mental health problem. Now, what does sexual addiction look like? Well, we know that's when there is recurrent and intense sexual fantasies, urges and behaviors often in response to stress and anxiety or depression. Uh, These behaviors may involve sex with consenting adult partners or masturbation, pornography, cyber sex, phone sex, you know, going to strip clubs, bathhouses, engaging in illicit sex. What else does sex addiction look like? Well, it may be repeated but unsuccessful efforts to control or reduce these fantasies urges, and behaviors. And so, so many of our clients come into the office and they want help and they've they've vowed that they're going to stop the behavior that is causing them problem. And yet it may be an hour, a day, a week, or a month and ultimately they continue to have ongoing problems. And so when that occurs, You know, they've fooled themselves. They're in a state of denial because they think it's something they can do on their own. But in essence, what that takes is good bibliotherapy. That's reading the right books, the right articles, getting the right psychoeducational information. It is working with skilled 
therapist. I'm biased to certified sexual addictions therapist because that's the school that I went to, and I happen to think it's the best in the world. But certainly I have a lot of colleagues that have recovery um, in their own backgrounds and have been going to 12-step groups forever and have trained themselves and are just as knowledgeable as I. And then um, oftentimes people that have this kind of problem Well, the bottom line is that they really put themselves at risk or they engage in behaviors that cause physical or emotional harm. And when that occurs, um, they don't think about the consequences because immediate gratification is so strong. So if you're listening to this show because you too are wondering, could this be a problem? And um, clearly you are uh, wondering if you indeed have a problem, let me encourage you to go to www.sexhelp.com, take the test, look for somebody in your area that can help, or email me at carolthecoach at aol.com, and um, I will get you the right people, the right books, the right references, so that You can live with freedom, authenticity, and transparency. And let's face it, if you think you've had a problem for a while, there is more than likely an issue whereby um, you have thought you could do it on your own and you've been unsuccessful because you really need a lot of structure. And that may look like 12-step groups. That may look like intensive workshops. That may look like an inpatient treatment center. So I'm encouraging you to get the help you need and know that this is a safe place to ask any questions. If you do have a question, you can give us a call at 646-595-3284. Hello, caller. Welcome to the Sex Help with Carol the Coach Show. How are you? Hello, caller. I'm checking on you. Let's see here. It shows that we have a call, but I'm telling you it is not connecting. So I am going to see if I can re-engage, and hopefully the caller can hear me and will reference how they're doing. Are you there, caller? Okay. I am not hearing anybody. So we clearly have technical difficulties. And if that would be John and Elaine, I will give them a call um, after the break. So let me do that, and I'm telling you, it's going to be a riveting show. These folks have been in the world of recovery for so long. I've happened to have read their book. They're fantastic. They have a day-by-day guideline on what you can do to make your relationship better. You're listening to Sex Help with Carol the Coach. And um, I want you to go to my website, www.sexhelpwithcarolthecoach.com. Okay.
Okay, John and Elaine, are you there? I tell you what, why don't you call back 646-595-3284. Well, you know, one of the things that I absolutely know to be true is that it is imperative when we're talking with people to work on issues that have to do with recovery. And it just, unfortunately, requires a lot of courage and strength. And um, truly, it takes a lot, a lot of courage and strength to make your life different. So I'm applauding you for listening to this show and for wanting to get some help, I want you to give me a call at 646-595-3284. And I would encourage John and Elaine to give me a call at that number again. Go ahead and hang up, call me back, and I'll be waiting for your call. Now, What John and Elaine are going to be talking about today is something very, very true to their hearts. You know, they've had the regrettable opportunity to have been professionally involved with many failing romances, and they knew that they needed to work on their lives. And so, as a result, they met each other, and they decided that they needed to work on their recovery through the use of therapy and a strong program of 12-step recovery. They used their romantic relationship, and, and they used their honesty. It's from watching this miracle unfold on countless occasions that has helped John and Elaine to solidify their belief that a romantic relationship offers countless opportunities to replace isolation and forced self-sufficiency with mutual independence. Now, they're going to be talking tonight about... They're going to be talking about what happens when you meet somebody. Are you compatible on a spiritual, mental, and emotional level? And I personally can't wait because they absolutely need, they've they've got so much wisdom. So when we come back, we'll be talking with John and Elaine. John and Lane, are you there? Well, I am so sorry that we are having so many technical difficulties. I'd ask you to hold on for one more second. And um, gosh, all I can say is that for some reason this board is not working at all. I absolutely hate that um, 
my callers can't hear me. But hopefully, we'll get this worked out real soon. John and Lane, are you there? We are, Carol. Oh my goodness, thank you. My uh, my whole screen was just blank and I was having so much trouble. I so appreciate you being patient and waiting because we're anxious to talk with you. You've got so much information to share with us tonight. I wanted to see how are the two of you doing? Doing great, Carol. Can you hear me? It's Elaine. I sure can. I absolutely We are doing great. Thank you. Yes, and share with us the topic that you want to talk about tonight. Tonight we're going to be talking about uh, the fact that couples that are engaged in a romantic recovering relationship need to begin to understand that they are really more than their respective past. Uh, We bring into a romance, in some occasions, an awful lot of baggage, and couples need to be assured that there is hope for the ability to move through that baggage, that traumatic material, and to build a sober, healthy relationship. We have done it, and we have helped hundreds of couples uh, achieve the same goal. Okay, so let's face it. So many people do bring along that baggage, and they actually feel damaged. How can they get beyond that so that they know they're more than their past? Well, uh, Carol, some of the uh, couples that we work with, it's exactly what you just said, you know, where they do bring a lot of baggage into the relationship. I mean, we all have past experiences, and for many of the people that we work with or that come from um, families of addiction or some levels of dysfunction have uh, difficulty in uh, developing and establishing emotional intimacy, being able to express themselves, et cetera. One of the first things that we ask them to do is to really just become willing to expose themselves to their partner, to really get beyond that feeling of, I can't share myself with you, I won't share myself with you, because to do that would be too frightening, would be too intimidating. I can't allow that level of vulnerability to happen. So that is one of the first places that we start with people is to ask them to really open up and bring their true self to their partner. And, you know, obviously when they meet each other, there's that endorphin rush and that dopamine rush of a feeling like this is the best thing that's ever happened to them. And they feel so connected in so many different ways, spiritual, mental, and emotional levels are met. And yet once that wears off, that exposure you were talking about can be really difficult because that takes a lot of courage as well as that brings up conflict. Uh, very much so. Uh, you know, I, when we look back to our own early 
uh, days in our relationship, as with most couples, we we would talk for hours on the phone. We would spend um, hour after hour sitting on the couch in in one of our respective living rooms sharing our experiences both in recovery and in life prior to recovery. And in the beginning, partly because of that, that dopamine rush and partly because of the novelty of getting to know each other, couples have an awful easy time talking. Uh, it doesn't take long, unfortunately, before all of the conversations about the kids or about finances or about uh, familiar issues that they are facing, and the couple stops talking about who and what they are and what they believe in and what they stand for. Uh, it's at that point where it, it begins to take work. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that in your book, One in the Spirit, Meditation Course for Recovering Couples, you've made the statement that common suffering does not necessarily mean that by extension, a couple will share a common solution to their past suffering. Can you speak more about that? Well, that idea uh, really came as a result of sitting in one too many abnormal psychology courses in uh-huh. our undergraduate training and would hear over and over again uh, neo-Fordians making reference to Freud's position that we marry our fathers. We don't really believe that we marry our fathers and mothers. We believe that we are attracted to the depth that a partner brings to the relationship and that common depth depth and that common life experience will be a source of real attraction. However, if the respective partners in the relationship don't work through the traumatic material and the emotional injuries that have occurred to accomplish that depth, then the same defects of character will be likely to rise up into that in that uh, relationship to cause them great harm, uh, great injury. Well, yeah, and, it, you know, it sounds like you don't pathologize the couple, and you certainly don't give them the Freudian rhetoric, but at the same time you know that they have probably developed from their past some maladaptive um, coping mechanisms. So what would you advise couples uh, to do if they want to change their maladaptive coping behavior into behavior that's healthy for the coupleship? Well, I started to share before, Carol, about um, being able to bring it forth and to uh, share oneself with your partner. I mean, when you do that, really what it begins to do is the um, power of the secrecy, of uh, the power of the past traumas lose, you know, its uh, intensity. You know, so really in the beginning we need to work on people being willing to bring forth uh, to their partner uh, what is really triggering to them, what is the trauma that is uh, being um, is risen up within the relationship because of past experiences. And the partner to receive them in a, uh, in a role of identification. You know, so if I were to be the one that were to expose something that's going on to me, for me, to John, to really have him uh, meet me with his identification rather than advice or direction. And what we find is that when, par- when partners are willing to have that type of dialogue, the intensity, like I said, of the traumatic material often will lessen enough 
that there, that interplay that happens between the two of them becomes more of an honest sharing of oneself and an increased desire for uh, intimacy and for healing that occurs just by that shared experience. Additionally, oh. Carol, if I can if I can add, um, for those listeners who are not familiar with the twelve steps of the various uh, self-help fellowships. The sixth step, uh, whether it be from Alcoholics Anonymous or any other fellowship, makes reference to the need to address our defects of character. Uh, We have found that the maladaptive coping strategies that you so appropriately refer to are developed very early in life, and they are adaptive in nature. It is a child's attempt to make sense out of the nonsense that they are experiencing in life and those coping strategies, once that person reaches adulthood, in fact, especially for recovering addicts and their, and their partners, those defects of character become maladaptive. They begin to cause problems. Early in a relationship, uh, especially for recovering couples who are no longer dealing with the particular drugs of choice as an issue and there's no active addiction process, that couple begins to experience that the way they cope with the emotional challenges in their marriage and their love relationship and their parenting experience will bring those defects of character to the surface. And if we don't address the defects in our character, the 12 and 12 of Alcoholics Anonymous, as an example, in Chapter 7 refers to the fact that the person I was will drink again. And if we don't address the defects of our character, we are going to relapse, but in a romantic relationship, those defects of character are going to trigger reactions in the part of our partner that in many, for many folks will be reminiscent post-traumatically of earlier life experiences in dealing with an alcoholic parent or uh, a perpetrator in their life or an oppressive character. So oftentimes the defects of character that couples are wrestling with in recovery become compatible. We don't mean that they become productive. We mean they work together. I am oppressive. She is a frightened child. We are in tandem, uh, not necessarily productively. In fact, it's it's quite um, the source of deterioration for the relationship. If that couple works their step work together, and we will guide couples through the use of our book, Clearing Away the Wreckage of the Past, a task-oriented guide through steps four through seven to work on identifying the defects in their character and to share those defects uh, with their partners. We call it squealing on ourselves. Okay. So, John and Elaine, do you um, have a client that you might be willing to share how that manifests or using yourself, either one, just so the audience can, can see how this plays out in real life? Sure. Uh, we'll take a chapter uh, out of our own relationship, and Elaine will know uh, right off the bat that that one of the key trigger words for me was uh-huh. stupid. And when she would refer to something I said as stupid or some way that I behaved as being stupid, all of a sudden, as if I were having a post-traumatic flashback to uh-huh. another time in my life, I would experience her as putting me down. I would begin to get uncomfortable, feel defensive, feel attacked, and I would react as if I were being attacked. 
and that would trigger for Elaine an equal reaction. So, Elaine, how would you then react? Well, oftentimes, you know, there was a couple of things that would happen. Um, John would have a pretty profound reaction to, you know, the feeling like he described as stupid. I would be very triggered by his angry um, posture with me. I would have a very significant trauma reaction to that because of um, the powerful men in my life, most particularly my father, and that same feeling of feeling incapable and impotent, et cetera, would happen to me. I would shut down, and in response, often John then would become much more ang- you know, angry because he would be trying to get in and find out what's going on with me, and instead I would be shutting down and going almost into a freeze type of phenomenon because I just wanted to get away emotionally, just to shut down. And we see that often uh, in our sessions or couples will bring that to us when they report how they would try to work together during the week and get stuck because of these same types of dynamics that we're describing that's happened in our own relationship. Absolutely. So then what kind of strategies do both of you have that you would utilize with your clients to break free of that belief that they're not doomed to repeat their past? Well, if I were to go back and just use that um, to further elaborate on that example we just talked about for Mm -hmm. ourselves, one of the things that I had to learn is that the minute I saw that facial expression um, on John that was telling me that he's going into that place of hearing me say that he's being stupid is to do one of two things. If I were able to be the one, Carol, that could recognize it, um, say, John, do you believe that I am calling you stupid right now because that's not what's going on? Can you please tell me what's happening? If I'm not the one that was able to recognize it, uh, John having a responsibility and his commitment would be to say, Elaine, right now are you saying to me that I am stupid? And really it's bringing to the surface the dynamic of what is going on between the two of us, which is that profound uh, you know, fear that you're actually saying that I'm a stupid person, when in fact that's really not going on. That would open the um, communication between the two of us because we could go in multiple directions from that point, but at least we're still talking, we're still engaged. I'm not uh, going into the shutdown, and John's not going into that place of being very angry and feeling very condemned and criticized. Sometimes, Carol, it's as, it's as simple as me feeling threatened by something she's saying, and instead of responding to that threat, instead of protecting myself, which is a very old M.O. of mine, I will say, Elaine, it feels like you're attacking me. Are you? I have never heard, yes, I'm about ready to pluck your eye out with a fork, too. Mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. always... I have always been overreacting to the situation at hand, not overreacting to the threat that I feel, but that threat that I'm feeling is tied to my prior life experiences, not to the woman I love. We often seek, um, one more point if I can, we often see couples that um, view therapy as a time to have their fights refereed. And uh, we, um, for example, 
really aren't interested in refereeing um, for a fee a couple's relationship. If I turn to a, a, a male in the relationship and I say, Bob, if I talked to your wife right now, if I joined in and I called her the names and I treated her with the disrespect that I see in you, what would happen? And he'd say, I'd probably come across the room and punch you in the mouth. I said, exactly, and that would be appropriate. So why is it okay for you to treat her that way? Who is it that you're talking to? What life experience are you stuck in? Because and what might Bob say? I'm sorry? Would he say, I'm talking to my mother, I'm talking to my teacher. Uh, actually, until couples really get to start working on themselves, they'll say things like, she's just like my mother. Mm-hmm. And and we we return Bob to the position of, Bob, don't you mean you're behaving just like your mother's son? Because mm-hmm. I don't point. really hear I don't really hear her demoralizing or degrading you. What are you feeling right now? Could you sit there and share that with your partner about what kind of time travel experience you're having that has left you feeling like you need to defend yourself? And then and you, know, you usually get to the crying. <laughs> well, absolutely, and I and I suspect that you two are renowned therapists in dealing with this because obviously you do so much work with each other. You practice what you preach. You do it from such a humane standpoint. I mean, that's one of the reasons that you wrote the book, One in the Spirit, the meditation course for recovering couples, is because you knew that if people worked on their life experiences and their adaptive uh, coping mechanisms, they would have more serenity and feel better about both themselves and their coupleship, right? That's very, very true, Carol. Um, You know, when I was growing up and and went into adolescence, I really started to believe that I was not going to have uh, a marriage, or if I was going to have a marriage, it wouldn't be one that I was proud of. And oftentimes I will find that in the couples that I work with, where one or both of them will feel like, I'm going to end up alone anyway, so why bother? You know, which was often the kind of thinking that I would uh, have in my own mind. I knew that I was not being successful in romantic relationships, and there was a part of me that said, why bother? And part of that came from, of course, my own fears, and the other part was there was a real lack of role models in my life that I could draw upon, um, you know, early in my life that I felt that I could respect. And, you know, the constant message of that we're not doomed to repeat our past, um, I think, creates a great deal of hope for the couples that we work with, and they can feel that it is the truth that we believe and where we come from, and using our own experience as well as the experience of working with many other couples. Absolutely. And, you know, what I I so love about your book is that it really breaks down what you can do for yourself versus what you can do for your coupleship. So would you mind sharing perhaps, oh, your weekend workshop exercise for this week's topic, and would you read it out loud to our listeners and then describe what you hope the people that you work with as well as the listeners and your readers accomplish by completing it? 
just one second. Uh, this the theme is uh, we are more than our past, um, and the weekend workshop begins with an introduction, as all of our weekend workshops do. And I'd like to read that first, if I can. We okay. have we have come to accept that who who we are is changing every day. Every day, life's challenges and our choices generate changes in us. We are not just the traumas we have survived or challenges we have faced. We are more than our resumes can describe and not always what others have thought of us. We have grown so much as a couple, we are sometimes amazed. We have gotten so much more than we first bargained for. Over time, the bond that began as a common suffering has strengthened into a solid core of shared values that it that drives its mass from commitment to serve our God. We hope the two of you continue on that journey. At that point, we invite the couples, as we do on a weekly basis, to work on very simple exercises. And for this particular week, uh, titled We Are More Than Our Past, the workshop reads, write a paragraph or two that describes you without discussing your past your education, training, occupation, height, weight, annual income, or re- religious affiliation, or age. What we're inviting uh, each of the partners to do at that point is to drill down into, in whatever depth they choose, uh, what their values are, what their beliefs are, what what maybe their feelings the way, even the way they behave. Yes, their feelings, absolutely. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yes, that's a wonderful exercise because it gets past the superficiality that, uh, again, Elaine talked about earlier when you're not exposing yourself. And this helps you to really expose yourself when you're talking about those values. So what might some of your couples then, how how might they describe themselves? Well, I can share with you um, one that's fairly recent, you know, working with a couple not too long ago. And the, uh, I think it was the male at this time, but started to share, you know, I'm really creative. I'm really caring. I get such joy out of just showing up for people and being able to help them out. And, you know, went on and on with different things that brought him joy as well as, you know, how he saw himself when he wasn't so busy being defensive and guarding himself against, well, in his wife in my situation because we were doing couples work. And what was fascinating, uh, Carol, is that she would be looking at him, and it was what I saw in front of me, her reconnecting with, yeah, <laughs> that's many parts of you that I also am very familiar with, but I have forgotten or I have overlooked or, you know, we have gotten away from. And that's just a small picture uh, to answer your question. But what starts is that reconnection on, you know, this is who I am, this is who um, I believe you love, and let's start really nurturing that part and start talking about that rather than, you know, what our bank account has or doesn't have. Mm-hmm. In a much more uh, addiction-specific uh, way, the majority of the couples that we see have uh, entered into a 12-step recovery process and have been sober for some time, and uh, are, were amazed to find that they don't even know each other's stories. They don't even know the ways in which their own particular take on the addictive process has impacted their lives. 
They haven't so much as shared their first steps with each other, even though both of them have probably experienced uh, that that material with each other. So well, and it's it, yeah. It's, on a, oh, go ahead. Redhead. Well, I was just going to say that you know what seems so different from how other therapists may work with their clients is that you really go in from a soulful point of view, a very spiritual point of view, to get people to connect. And then that takes them out of some of the commonality that they tend to fight about and, again, want you to referee. Right. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. It's mm-hmm. probably totally unprofessional, and Lane never does it. I'm usually the culprit. Um <laughs> But I'll reach a point in a couple relationship where they won't stop uh, wanting me to referee, and I'll invite them to go out to dinner and tell them that they could, I could probably continue the session without them if they like because they're always fighting about the same issues, and, and I'm really not interested in that. I want to be a part. We want to be at LCCS. We want to be a part of the solution. Uh, mm-hmm. So many of the couples that we meet are, are what we call engaged to be divorced. They have settled for such a low level of romantic satisfaction. uh, They can't imagine why they should continue and how long they're perhaps going to endure uh, this relationship. We don't think romance should be an endurance contest. Well, that makes total sense. And, you know, if if there are listeners that are, are hearing something that resonates with them, and they want to know more about your style and philosophy and and how they might actually be able to work with you, what would you advise them? They are welcome to uh, call us at 732-797-1444. We have two offices, one in East uh, Brunswick, New Jersey, and one in Tom's River, but we would be glad to respond to any caller's inquiries about uh, what to do with a troubled romantic relationship, or they can visit us at www.leademcounseling.com. We've also begun um, blogging with some regularities at Psych Central, so there's quite a few uh, blogs there that the person could access if they were also interested. So if they get on Psych Central's website or blogging site, then they put in your names or LCCS, or how do they do that? Actually, they go looking for the category, I believe, that is entitled uh, Recovering Couples. Okay. And if they enter that category, they will find, on the average, about two blogs a week from us. Wow, fantastic. So your philosophy continues. and. Do I understand that you are now in the process of writing another project, writing another book or or something? We are. We are. Uh, It has gone through a couple of different uh, titles. Uh, What we have settled on is Awakening to Your Soulmate, A Decision to Be in Love. And by in love, we don't mean the Hallmark version. We mean to be completely in, vulnerable, and experiencing psychological risk risk, and, and the, the safety that can be developed in the process. Uh, the book is due out early part of next year and will be a guide for couples to build 
uh, intimacy who have either worked through a traumatic betrayal of some kind or have simply um, entered the recovery process and are looking to build a sober romance. Uh, and and we're, we're really excited about it, really excited. Well, I bet. Now, tell me the name of the book again. It's Awakening to Your Soulmate. And then what's that second part? The subtitle is A Decision to Be in Love. Okay, Decision to Be in Love. I'm writing that down. I'm going to look for that. Um, now, are you two writing this book together? We certainly are. We we like to uh, contribute um, both of our perspectives, our experiences, and to go back and forth with massaging the material. It takes quite mm-hmm. a bit of time <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and a lot of uh, feedback to one another, but we certainly are doing this together. So how is this different than... Um, you know, your past book, One in the Spirit. Well, One in the Spirit is a uh, daily meditation guide. It's a reader uh, for recovering couples to um, examine together every day uh, some challenge that romance experiences, that normal romances experiences, but that recovering romances experience and maybe Uh, particularly charged by. It runs for 52 weeks. It covers a wide variety of challenges from parenting to healthy sexuality, and it gives the couple a, a common reference point at the start of every day and shows them how to begin, um, excuse me, Shows them how to begin communicating. We're we're thrilled that uh, some of our clients in the past, that in the couples retreats that we ran in Pennsylvania for years, have dubbed it a uh, a couples sponsor in print because it really attempts to do that. It attempts to be uh, a source of guidance and wisdom for couples who are struggling on a day to day basis. Very different than awakening to your soulmate which takes the relationship at its starting point where either trust has been betrayed or the couple is floundering for how to build intimate communication and brings them through that process in what sometimes looks like a workshop and some other times looks like meditative reflection about the aspects of the relationship that they need to work on. And we'll okay, be calling... I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, you said where trust has been betrayed or if you want to build healthier intimacy, then this is the book for you. So, Elaine, continue. Uh, I was just going to add that amongst everything that John put out there, we also have uh, use of a lot of examples from couples that we have worked with over the multiple uh, years that we uh, put within the book as well. Okay, so there are true life experiences where people have shared their soul, and um, you derive some of the some of the exercises, some of the ideas from their experiences. Very much, mm-hmm. and our own as well. We are we are always uh, willing to uh, open up our story. There there are two promises uh, in uh, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous that have been particular favorites for both Elaine and I. They are the promises on 83 and 84 that read, we will not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. 
and no matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experiences can be of benefit to others. And that leads us in in all of our writing. Mm, it really has served us well. Well, I bet it's it's the motivation and the vision that that keeps the two of you always wanting to educate and assist and just obviously you are always rekindling that your relationship. It's a, it's a work in progress and um you've been so honest with sharing some of the struggles that you've faced historically in the relationship and I think probably more honest than any other couple I've ever heard who, you know, are guides to intimacy. I mean, that's what's so refreshing is you're the experts, but you also admit it is a work in progress. Without a doubt, it's a work in progress. Mm -hmm. But I remember what John had said to me uh, before we were married, so at some point during our dating experience, he said, Elaine, I can promise you one thing, it's not going to be boring. (laughs) And I really didn't understand completely what he meant by that, but I have come to learn after these 36 years, I have some faint idea of what he means. <laughs> well, and I love the story about you two um, doing your wedding vows. John, you oh, want to yeah. just share that again? I love that story. Oh, sure. I, I sure hope that Father Caven isn't listening in, but we're, we're standing at the author at St. Philomena's Church in Livingston, New Jersey, and after Elaine has recited the beautiful poem that she wrote as her vow to me, um, I don't know whether it was Providence or just uh, dumb luck, but my mic went dead, and it was my turn to exchange my vow. And I turned to Elaine, and Father Father Cavin could hear. The, the rest of the congregation could not. But I said, Elaine, I can't promise I'll stay married to you. Father Cavin <laughs> went like that, and um, Elaine understood exactly what I meant. I, mm-hmm. I have never stayed committed to anything other than the practice of the 12 steps in my life. I don't know how to stick to romantic relationships. All the role models I've had have been cheats and, and womanizers. So mm-hmm. what I commit to is that I will make a lot of noise, and and I have done just that. I have made a lot of noise when I have been unhappy and even more noise when I've been happy, and, and most of it's been pretty happy. Well, and didn't you also say something about that you promised to be authentically honest, to bring up the conflict, to talk about what was bothering you? This is This is me paraphrasing because I remember I thought, you know, Elaine knows exactly who she's getting when you are reciting this in your vows. Didn't you do something like that? Yeah, were you there? <laughs> no, but I heard it. I, I so admired it. And I also thought, Elaine, you must be a strong woman because that would be scary to have somebody saying, I am bringing every bit of me to our marriage. You know, to actually say that out loud. Mm-hmm. That's the honest and refreshing, um, well, that rigorous honesty we're always talking about, huh? Right. Yeah, and and really, it it, it you know, I don't know about courageous. I know that I was frightened, especially when he had shared that, you know, almost from our first date, you know, maybe second or third, but at the very beginning. And it was so different than anything I was used to in my prior romances. I mean, I really hid in relationships. I mean, one time I had made, um, this will give you an example, one time I had made a, an amend to a prior um, boyfriend um and I had admitted my wrongs, okay, and taking a nine-step with him. 
And the only thing he wrote back was something like, you know, you never gave us a chance, Elaine. And it was a very honest statement on his part because what I had admitted amongst many things is that I hid from him and I really wasn't willing to be honest and share what was going on with me. And he's right, I never gave us a chance. So I think that says a lot from where I've come from, but that really was my beginnings. Yes, it was. And so as we end for today, I just want our listeners again to know that they can contact you either by phone, and I'm not sure if I got this number right. Did you say it's area code 732-797-14444? correct. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they can also contact you through your website, and that is? www.leadhamcounseling.com. They can That's check us out on Psych Central, and we are always tweeting and Facebooking. Um, it's half of our life. <laughs> oh, I imagine. So share with me your Facebook. Um, how can they find you on Facebook? Because that will keep them abreast of when the book actually comes out. You can. Uh, the best way to get access to that information will be through our website because we will be announcing it. But we have Facebook accounts for One in the Spirit, and we have Facebook accounts for Clearing Away the Wreckage of the Past. And we will have a Facebook account for Awakening to Your Soulmate, A Decision to Be in Love. All right. I can't wait for that to come out. Thank you so much, John and Elaine, again, for sharing your wisdom, for being patient, and for for your continued honesty. Uh, Anybody who works with you, I'm sure, just really appreciates everything you have to give. Thanks again. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you very much. Have a good evening. Hey, you too. All right. Bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, as you can see, they are are unbelievably honest. They have so much information to give. They've made it their mission to help recovering couples to develop the intimacy that, you know, sexual addiction oftentimes is an intimacy disorder. And so if you are struggling with sexual addiction, know that they are a way to help you to develop healthier relationships. Hey, I'll see you next week. And as always, fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. This is Sex Help with Carol the Coach on Blog Talk Radio.